You know what? If we went away different this morning, what my prayer is that we'd go away knowing the knowledge of who we really are in Christ. And, and um, so often around, uh, I've seen so many Christians, myself included at points, um, where we think humility is a position of self-pity. But humility is not a position of self-pity. Uh, we were talking as a team earlier in the week. Humility is a position of bowing down and looking up. And that is a position that, where God wants us in a place of humility to receive everything that is got for us. And uh, this morning, that's my prayer, that we would know who we are in Christ, that we would live a dynamic, powerful life, just as Jesus intended us to. Um, my little daughter, Eden, so precious to me, um, she loves costume jewellery. She's got lots of dress-up jewellery. My wife loves dress-up dress up jewellery. Um, and she's got yeah, lots of, lots of jewellery, uh, dress-up jewellery. But you know what? We can become content with the dress-up Um, jewelry rather than receiving the real thing. What God has got for our lives is not a poor imitation or just something to dress us up for something pretty that we're going to. There's a riches from heaven. There's riches from heaven. Christ died for us to inherit the riches of heaven. Church, we're ready to take hold of that. You know, I have a real hope in my my heart, my life. The last few weeks, it feels like uh, not touched the ground. We've been to a few different youth camps and conferences and things. And um, in the midst of all the rioting and the trouble that we've seen across the UK, uh, we've seen more young people at Christian summer camps invading the atmosphere with praise and prayer than we've seen young people invading the streets with rioting and looting. We need to get a a perspective on this. Tens of thousands of uh, people have joined across this uh, nation over the summer, embracing who God is, what he's got for them, and lifting up his name in praise, and breaking through those principalities of the air. And, and you know what? There's all sorts of stuff that will always go off. But for us as a, as a people of God, it's really keeping a focus on what God is doing, and uh, embracing that as well. So, um, just just so excited to see God touch hearts and lives and um, uh, been, been away at a, a camp this, this week with some young people and, and they've just totally got lost in the love of the Father. And I was just so encouraged uh, to see that God's been doing that across, across the nation. Church, we've got a good reason to be encouraged. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Um, I can't remember what I was telling, but some, something like... Every four days, there's um, a million people across the globe getting saved. Forcefully advancing. We are not shrinking back. God is raising up a generation that are just um, seeking his face. Uh, In China alone, something like 10,000 people a day are getting saved. A day. It's incredible. Incredible. And and, And for us as a church in this area, in this community, God is wanting us to forcefully advance to take ground. I'm excited about what Adrian is going to share this next few weeks about a, a fresh vision. Um, church, let's really get behind that vision and see God move in this area. Wow, I'll get started now. Um, um, a few years ago, this was, uh, my middle child, Amos, um, he came up to me one day and said, uh, Daddy, I have got superpowers. And uh, of course, every father would be proud of their son saying that. And uh, he said, uh, I'm going to show you what my superpower is. And, and uh, I said, well, what is it first? He said, it's the power of invisibility. 
Oh, if anyone was going to have a power, who'd pick invis- invis- invisibility? A few of us. And uh, so he said, uh, what you've got to do is uh, stay there, count to ten, and I'm going to turn invisible. So, of course, I, I, I stayed there. He said, you've got to close your eyes. I closed my eyes, counted to ten, opened them, bing, and guess what? It turned invisible. Nowhere was he to be seen. And then I heard this distinct shout, okay, you've got to close your eyes again now. So I closed my eyes again, and he said, okay, open them, and there he was. Superpower of invisibility. Incredible. I said, oh, can we do that again, but with my eyes open? And he says, "Uh, ah, only works with your eyes closed. So now you're aware, if my son, uh, he has that power of invisibility, but you've got to keep your eyes closed. I don't know why I talked about that. Why did I talk? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was good. I really believe there is a, a realm of invis- invisibility, an invisible realm. And when Jesus stretched himself out between heaven and earth, he was manifesting the power of God and bringing in that invisible realm that um, as a church we can, and as a God's people we can tap into. I really want to encourage us that today we begin to embrace the kingdom life that God has got for us. In fact, he's called us to be a kingdom people, kingdom people. And that's really what I want to talk about, that we would be a a people that manifest the kingdom of God, his power and his love in our generation. And his love, it's just an incredible thing. Philosophy can't explain it. Science can't fathom it. Religion can't restrict it. Atheism can't disprove it. Money can't buy it. Dictators can't demand it. Education can't teach it. But in faith, we can receive it. And also, we can share it. What incredible love God's love is for his people. I want to share two attitudes. The first one is found in 1 Samuel. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to it. 1 Samuel chapter um, 8. And as we think about being kingdom people, we think about a point, a time in history for the Israelites where they cried out for a king, where they cried out for a king. If you next to someone without their Bible, you could um, share it or you could nudge them in the ribs and say, where's yours? Um, I recommend the first option. 1 Samuel chapter 8 says this, starting at verse 1, as Samuel grew old... I got that feeling today. It's my birthday. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old. Yeah, I've had that said to me a few times as well today. And your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judges like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. What, what a sad, sad, sad verse this is. God rejected as their king. They don't... You can feel the sentiment in, in God's heart here. They don't want me as their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. Then from verse 10 down to 18, it talks about uh, what would happen if a king ruled. It talks about the taxation. It talks about sons being taken off to war. It talks about people looking after king's chariots. There's a whole list of things there that would happen if they chose to have a king 
And then there, there in verse 18, carrying on, it says, When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. But the people refused. They refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. I'm going to finish there, but you can fill in uh, those verses that were missed out in your own time. But two attitudes, and we're going to go with this first attitude that was a cry for a king. You see, you see, God was Israel's king. He'd drawn them from the place of bondage under an Egyptian king from Pharaoh. He'd brought them to a place of freedom and promise and hope and victories. But there came a point when they cried out for another king. And this is where the story is. They were crying out for another king. And we read that their main motivation, the main motivation for the people of Israel was to be like other nations. And their intent was independence from God but dependence on man. And they were to lose their identity amongst other nations as they did, as they pursued this to gain a false identity by becoming like the other nations, even though they were God's chosen people. I don't know anyone remembers a a comedy show called The Fast Show. Some of us are old enough. And uh, on The Fast Show, there was like a spoof interview of a band. And uh, this lady was interviewing the band. And she said to one of the members of the band, Oh, I see you've got a tattoo on your neck. What does it say? And it says, the guy said, it says, individual. And uh, and, uh, the lady interviewed said, "Uh, So can you tell us why you had that tattoo, individual, on your neck? And he says, Yeah, because the rest of the band had the same one. Yeah. Great show, mostly. (laughs) You don't discover your individuality by doing what everyone else is doing. And you won't find your identity in a crowd. Your identity is found in the king of kings. And uh, here we read that as Israel um, knew God as king, they also rejected him as king. And as I was reading this story again last night, it came to me that conformity is not the answer to poor prospects. Conformity is not the prospect, not the answer to poor prospects. For the Israelites, they seem to have poor prospects. Samuel, you're getting old. Samuel, your sons are not like you. And in their seemingly lack of prospects, they turn to what other people were doing. Listen, I'm going to say it again because it's good. And you should write this one down. Conformity is not the answer to poor prospects. All sorts of stuff going off in our lives. Things can look really dark and abysmal at times. But listen, even when there's poor prospects, the answer is still not conformity. I've seen so many young people um, take up the bottle because they've seen their dad do that in time where it's difficult times. And it's ruined their life. I want to encourage you not to conform, but to look to the king. Because it was in in him as their king that they knew provision They knew his promise. They knew his presence and his power. They knew that they were his people. They knew their identity. But in this situation, we find that Israel would sooner look to a man to fight their battles than to God. They would sooner return to an enslaved mentality than live in freedom. And there's something about kingdom people that we are no longer enslaved, uh, have an enslaved mentality, but that we discover freedom in God. And God warned them about what would happen, but they still chose to do it. They still made their choice. And Samuel even warned them with a word from God, you'll cry out for relief 
from your king. And uh, anyone seen Superman Returns? Oh, either you're not being honest or I've just, I'm just watching a different kind of film to everyone else. Superman Returns, uh, the most recent one. Uh, Lois Lane goes up to um, Superman and she was a bit miffed with him because he'd gone away and he'd come back. That's why the film's called Superman Returns, just in case you didn't connect the two. And um, she, said, uh, she said this. Lo- Lois Lane said to Superman... Um, the world doesn't need a saviour. And then um, Superman says to Lois Lane, but every day I hear the cry of the world that says they do. Um, he doesn't actually talk like that, does he? I don't think Lois Lane actually talk. But that's what happened in the film. Every day I hear a cry from the world that they do. You know, every day there is a cry from the world. When people say that, when the people have rejected Christ as their king, when they've rejected God as saviour, there is still a cry that comes out from the world saying that actually we need a saviour in this world. And across the nations today we can hear the cry of relief because of evil dictators and rulers and governments. And you've got to look at the news this ne- last week, the news from this last 18 months, you'll see a people crying out for relief from evil dictators and rulers and kings and governments. Across our nation we can see a generation looking for identity and individuality and a sense of hope. The cry of the nation of Israel some 3,000 years ago is actually a cry that is still resounding today in many ways across our world. I want to encourage you to know God as your king, to know his presence, his promises that are real, his provision, his power, to give him your praise and also your priorities in life. Israel knew consistent battles against kingdoms. Jesus said about kingdom rising up against kingdom and nation against nation. But when we come under God's kingship in our own lives, we come into a kingdom where we're already victorious. We're already victorious, church. Do we hear an amen? We are already victorious. We come into a kingdom where the enemy has been overthrown. We, we come into a kingdom where God's power is unlimited, where his presence is available where his sovereignty is overall. It's a kingdom that is marked by love. That is the kingdom that we have inherited this morning. And I don't know about you, but it excites me. This was a time in Israel's history when they thought the solution was to look to a man for everything and they rejected God. And in our times, we've, we, we, we are doing a similar kind of thing. We look to celebrity we, we've made celebrity a God. We've made fame a God. Um, big brother, celebrity, big brother with the non-celebrities has started up again. People are looking to celebrity, want to become a celebrity. X Factor again. Um, people looking to be famous and celebrities. We've made celebrity a bit of a God. We have a culture that is celebrity driven. Even in church circles, I've seen this in the last 10 years or so, where people in church have looked for the next celebrity worship leader or the next celebrity uh, preacher or evangelist. We've got it wrong. God is wanting to raise up sons and servants, not celebrities in our generation. And it's such a similar thing that we see going off in the heart of the Israelites there to what we see across the world today. But the results are still the same. Every time a man has established a kingdom, it's been shaken. The last few weeks are a telltale sign of that. The Murdoch media empire has been shaken. Uh, The uh, politics in this nation has been shaken. The, The kingdom of authority has been shaken in this nation. Finances are being shaken. 
That's because we live in, the, in kingdoms where things are frail and will be shaken. But we can embrace an unshakable kingdom through the kingdom of God. You see, man's way was to make man a God. God's solution was to make God a man. I like that as well, so I'm going to say it again. Man's way was to make man a God. God's solution was to make God a man. The Israelites were looking for a man to become their latest celebrity because they wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to hold up a man for their future. But our future is held up in Jesus Christ. Man, God becoming man. Jesus stepping into this world to change this world forever. And that leads me to the second kind of attitude. The first one was a cry for a king. And the second one is this, kingdom first. Kingdom first. It says in Philippians 2 that Jesus Christ uh, gave up his divine privileges. He humbled himself in obedience to God. He, God became man. And what an incredible time. People have said, why did Jesus come at that time and not, not later on or not earlier? This was an incredible time in history. And when, when Jesus was born, we know the, the story. It's often retold at Christmas where King Herod initiated a massacre of Jewish baby boys to try and kill Jesus when he was born. But Jesus' kingdom could not crush, his kingdom, King Herod's kingdom could not crush the kingdom of heaven invading earth. Same for today. Same for today. And Jesus came and turned the world on its head in a time when the Roman Empire was expanding and extending. And he said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or first it says in other versions, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The, the main, the central theme of Jesus' teaching was actually about kingdom. We could think it was 101 other things, but his main central theme, as we go through the Gospels, Jesus' main central theme was about kingdom, about his kingdom, about his kingdom coming. And um, you know what? He, when he came, he reestablished his kingdom. He reestablished his kingdom. And nothing could crush that kingdom. So actually, it was quite controversial the amount of time that Jesus spent talking about the kingdom, his kingdom, living in the kingdom and the politics of the day. It was a controversial thing. But Jesus thought important enough to spend uh, that much time talking about it. And for that reason, I think it's something that we can take, need to take hold of today. I want to encourage us uh, to understand his kingdom. Because it's from his kingdom that actually there's an overflow of provision. There's an overflow of love. There's an overflow of life. Overflow of goodness and joy in the Holy Spirit. An overflow of kingdom, of, of pa- kingdom power. And uh, I want to encourage you to think differently to know who you are, to align your thinking to um, thinking on things above. To look to our king and his kingdom first. We have an opportunity here to learn from the mistakes of previous Israelite generations and embrace kingdom first. And you know what? Being a Christian, it's not positioning our, ourselves with our head, in, our head in the sand or is it positioning ourselves with our head in the clouds, but it is positioning ourselves ourselves as co-heirs of Christ with our feet on the ground to impact the world. I want to encourage us to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our minds to think as kingdom people, to think as kingdom people this morning. You see, when we th- begin to think as kingdom people, uh, it, I believe it will affect our family, 
Our school, our work, our home, all those areas can know a difference by us seeking the kingdom of God first. Because if we're looking to God as our king and we're honoring him as priority in our life, in honoring him first, we should actually honor our boss even more than we perhaps already do and honor our parents more and honor our school more and our college. As we, as we look to see the kingdom of God first in our lives and put God in that place of priority in our life, I just believe it has a trickling effect in, into every area of our life. And we can, we can look, uh, what we look at can actually dictate our destination. Um, anyone remember when Roger Bannister ran, broke the four-minute mile? Anyone remember that? Oh, I see there is some older than me. That's great. Um, I think, it, was it around 1952, something like that? But the tellers were invented them. Yeah, some, somewhere around there. People um, looked at Roger Bannister and said, you will never do it. No one's ever done it before. You won't do it now. And they dictated to him what his destination uh, could have been. But he broke through that. And the history records tell us that actually Roger Bannister was so fixed on the finish line that every negative word that was dictated to him, it was just blown away by the wind of the race. You see, what we look at can distract us from our destiny. And Roger Bannister knew that if he was focused more on what other people were saying in the can't do's, then he'd never do. But he focused on the finish line and he did do. And I believe there is a breakthrough for our generation I don't believe just got, we're on a shelf and, and we've got to wait for God's return. I believe there is something, a rising up and, and a shaking of other kingdoms and uh, an establishment of God's kingdom across this world. And I want to encourage you to look to the King of Kings to seek his kingdom first, to draw, and it will draw you into your destiny with God. Um, I was speaking to um, uh, a young lady a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling us um, about a Muslim leader she knows. And um, this Muslim leader um, had, a, had a vision of Jesus. And this was a few weeks ago. And in the vision of Jesus, he just, he just knew that this, this was the one that he'd been looking for, for all his life and gave his life to Jesus. He's received so many threats now. He's living dangerously, but in his heart, he's seeking the kingdom of God first because he's seen the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Seeing Jesus has given him a totally different direction in life. And even though the prospects may seem poor, he's not working out conform, conformity because he's discovered the King. I want to encourage us that we um, press in for breakthrough, that we look to Jesus for our schools, for our colleges, um, for our workplaces, for our families, um, that we, we put him first in everything. Because you are kingdom people. You are kingdom people. If you know Jesus in your heart and life, if you've given your life to him, you are kingdom people. And there is a way to live before others that demonstrates that as well. There a way to live before others that causes people to question. There's something different about them. Something different about them. You see, Israel clung to wanting to be like other nations. And in that, they lost their sense of identity. But God wants us to be a distinct people as a kingdom people, to live a different kind of life. I remember when, um, uh, as history books tell us, that um, King Louis XVI's son, uh, King Louis XVI was actually executed 
I think he was the first king of France to be executed. And his eight-year-old son saw it all going off. And the angry lynch mob that wanted to kill, that uh, killed King Louis, then wanted to kill the eight-year-old son, the heir of the throne, the prince. They wanted to kill him. And uh, uh, the story goes that people from the crowd started shouting, no, let's not kill him because, because heaven's too good for him. An eight-year-old boy. And then so, some others in the crowd started shouting, let's take him to the witch Meg, who lives down the back alleys, and she can teach him how to blaspheme and to use coarse words. And this is what the story, how the story goes. So that's what they did. They dragged this eight-year-old boy off to live with the witch Meg in that community. And for, for a long time, this witch taught this eight-year-old boy, as he got older, to, to try to teach him to use blasphemy and swear words and curse words. But the story goes that actually he was imprisoned and executed when he was 18 years old. And he never used a, a curse word. He never swore. He never blasphemed. He stood his ground. This eight-year-old boy knew how to live as a prince. He knew not to swear and blaspheme because he'd been brought up uh, through royalty. He knew that he was called to be a prince. He knew that he was called to be an heir to the throne. And no matter what people tried to do to him, actually he stood his ground. I think there's a real testimony in there. I don't even know whether he's saved or not, but there's a challenge there for us that we live a different kind of life, even when the pressure's on to conform, that actually we do different. We live life different. We cause people to ask questions. There's something different so that uh, other people won't say, well, they're just like the other nations. Just like the other nations. We're not called just to survive, but to be victorious. We're not just called to cope with, but to be more than conquerors. We're not just, uh, we, we, we're called to live on a level that is just um, reaching out towards heaven and bringing it down to earth. We're not just, um, not just called to live in those ways, but actually, yeah, the Bible tells us so many times, more than conquerors, victorious, sons of God, chosen royal priesthood. We need to declare these things over our life. We're called to demonstrate that there's a way to love that isn't based on lust. To, to see healings that isn't based on prescription. To, to bring hope when everything else seems hopeless. To overflow with joy in the face of adversity. We're not just going into a kingdom. We're not just got our ticket and now we're off to heaven. But we carry the kingdom. A few weeks ago there was a guy called Harold Campin, I think his name was. And uh, he set the date uh, for the 21st of May that the rapture would come and would all disappear. So either we've all got it wrong, <laughs> or he has. I think it's him. He's set another date, 21st of October. Is that a Sunday? Get yourselves ready. Put it in the diary. Don't go, go driving around in your cars, piloting planes or JCBs. Uh, I don't know if anyone drives JCBs or planes. It's not going to happen, though. It's, not, it's like some people just want to get off the planet and get into heaven. And when I read what Jesus spoke about, that wasn't his heart's desire for us as his people, as kingdom people. We're to, called to carry the kingdom of God. We're to, to bring its culture. We're heaven's bringers. Heaven's bringers. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to us to bring his kingdom to those places. I remember when I was at um, college and um, there was a lad who was doing drugs and he insisted every day for the whole year I was there that I was doing drugs because I smiled a lot. But yeah, he insisted because all that he knew was uh, in his mind to be full of joy and happiness, it, it, was, it, it had to come about through drugs. 
And a great opportunity for me to share, actually, well, you know what? It's not drugs. Let me tell you what it is about. And, um, you know, there's an opportunity for those, I don't know if there's any in, uh, going uh, to college or university, but we'll pass this on to them if there is. That, uh, I believe college and university are, are opportunities to shine out, not fizzle out. Opportunities to shine out rather than fizzle out. Uh, our, our universities and college, uh, colleges are around this nation need Christians who are prepared to shine out. We're in the world for a reason, and I don't believe it is to avoid it. I believe it is to influence it and change it, to live with boldness without apology or compromise. I get, I get a bit knocked about Christians who apologize for being a Christian. It's not what we're about. To live with boldness without compromise, to speak the language of love, to manifest his kingdom in our lives. And um, I, I believe that Jesus demonstrated the life that we can embrace. It wasn't just um, Jesus coming, being born as a baby, growing up, um, dying on a cross, rising from the dead. I, I believe that all that in between was a life that he lived that we can embrace and learn from as well. And it's a life that by faith we can walk in. We're called to be a distinct people belonging to a distinct kingdom. And we talked about uh, kingdoms that are shaken around the world. We've talked about a kingdom that's, that's forcefully advancing. There is a kingdom as well. It says in the Bible it's a, a kingdom of power, not just words. It's a different kind of kingdom. And as citizens of that kingdom, we are a distinct people with a distinct kingdom. And um, just as we read, I'm sorry, I've just dropped your plectrum mic. It's all right. Um, just as the Israelites started to look for a king and cried out for a king in their generation, um, just before Jesus began his ministry, actually, we read that um, other people started to hail John the Baptist as the coming Messiah. He's here. He must be the Messiah. And uh, we read in Luke 3.16, Luke 3.16, but John intervened. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main pa- character in this drama to whom I'm a mere stagehand will ignite the kingdom life. A fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. I love that. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life. A fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. I, I want to pray this morning that there, there'd be a reigniting of kingdom life in our hearts. Uh, I, I've been so excited this, uh, this past summer to see people that have discovered they don't have to live in mediocrity or the status quo uh, just to hit church a couple of times a week and that does them. I, I've, I've been inspired um, to, to see young people who live Holy Spirit filled lives that uh, realize that they're a royal chosen priesthood. Graham, you are a royal chosen priesthood. Stella, you are a royal chosen priesthood. Keith, you are a royal chosen priest. You're all royal chosen priesthood when we come into his kingdom. That is something to take hold of. A people that bring his presence to a generation that are crying out for a king. I've got a, a real bubbling passion in my heart to see, see breakthrough in this area and in this generation. Uh, and to see kingdom people seeking the, the kingdom of God and really moving out in boldness. Really moving out in boldness. Um, 
I remember when I was in, I think I was in about year nine or ten at school, and for a couple of years or so, this guy had been uh, intimidating me and bullying me at school. He'd like do stuff like pour pepper over my dinner, like a whole whole pot, uh, or put um, yogurt in the in the bottom of my uh, milkshake, and uh, he'd push me in nettles and whack me as we were passing in the school corridor. This went on and on. And uh, I remember there was a day um, when I was helping my dad painting outside a house in San Diego near the uh, rec-, rec there in the library. And I saw this guy coming up the street. And some of you might, uh, might have told you some of this before. But um, th- I saw this guy who had been bullying me for a couple of years riding on his bike up the street. And I saw him come in. I saw him come in and something rose up in my heart. And, and I just felt that like this was my moment. This is it. And uh, I put my paintbrush down, wiped it on the side and dabbed it in, just as you should do, so the brush doesn't dry out. Um, <laughs> see, it's all up here. And uh, I went over to the guy as he pedaled towards me, and I uh, stepped out in front of him like this. And uh, he hit his brakes, which was a good thing, because if he had carried on going, that would have really hurt. Um, and, and he threw his bike on the ground, and I said, I want a word with you. What on earth was I thinking of? And he says, oh, yeah. And I says, yeah. And he says, do you like the taste of hospital food? I remember this conversation. He said, do you like the taste of hospital food? I says, no, but I'm not the one who's going to be tasting it. How audacious. I was set myself up here, wasn't I? And uh, I said, look, I've had enough of what's been going off. I want it to end. Then he looked at me, and he seemed to look up at the sky, and he looked... He looked down at me again, and he put his hand out. And I just thought, oh, great opportunity for me to just slam him one while he's got his hand. <laughs> while he's unarmed. Then I looked at his, I thought, this is it. And I shook his hand. And he nodded, and he picked up his bike, and he rode off into the sunset, and it was a glorious moment. Um, <laughs> and then I turned around to go back to the job, and just a few feet away from me uh, was my dad. And you know what? It makes a difference having your dad around. It makes a difference having your dad around. It, it makes a, Boldness can rise up knowing who your daddy is. Knowing your heavenly daddy, boldness can rise up through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that we should go and deck bullies around and start a vigilante campaign against bullying or anything. That was my situation, not everyone's, okay? That's what happened. That was the outcome. But I, I learned an important lesson that day to make sure if I'm going to pick a fight, I'm my dad with me. <laughs> oh, it was a frightening sight. His face was plastered in white paint. Overalls that he'd worn for about 20 years. An extension pole in his hand. No wonder he's frightened. I think he probably went over and cried to his mum. We're talking about knowing who your daddy is. And let boldness arise in our hearts. This week as we go around uh, doing different things, whether we're at work, at home, with our family, let's live as kingdom people, a people that aren't intimidated by the world around us, but actually uh, knows the boldness of God in our lives. To stand up and bring his kingdom. To stand up and bring his kingdom. And I encourage you to, to be a kingdom people, to demonstrate his love, to live his values, to exercise the gifts that he's given you and make a difference to the world we're in. I'm going to ask if the worship team um, would just return. And um, 
I'm usually in like um, fused on a Sunday morning. It's not, but I hear you finish about half twelve. Is that right? Hug, <laughs> big no, uh, no. But I, I, I want to make time that we pray together, and uh, this morning that we pray together. Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. Anyone else? Let me find it now. It's in the Bible somewhere, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 13. It's just something that God's really been speaking to me and Penny about being kingdom people and challenging us in this. And just as I was reading Hebrews 13 the other day, it really jumped out to me in verse 15. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. You see, see, in the days of uh, the Roman Empire, um, there was a submitting and a bowing to the ruler of the day and pledging allegiance. Um, I'm not big on history, but I have heard that there was the whole thing of pledging allegiance to king or queen uh, um, in the British Empire. Pledging allegiance is something usually um, associated with, with royalty and rule. But in this passage we read that actually when we bring a sacrifice of praise to God, we're making a proclamation and we're proclaiming our allegiance to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and we're going to, in our praise just now, we're going we're gonna to proclaim allegiance to the King of Kings in our lives. This morning there's an opportunity. If you have been crying out for something and it's not been to God, then I want to encourage you to just come and chat to us afterwards to to know that you too can become a kingdom people and know the fullness of God's life that he has for you by submitting your life to him. Let this morning be an opportunity where you might have been crying out for a king where you discover the king of kings in your own life. God becoming man to bring you to God. Maybe we feel that we've uh, not seen the kingdom life ignited in our heart and in our life. And... Uh, I think it'd just be great that we pray collectively that kingdom life, kingdom life, fire of kingdom life through the Holy Spirit, just be ignited, just be ignited. Changing us from the inside out. Changing us from the inside out. Can I ask those that can stand just to stand and we're going we're gonna to finish in a moment or two. I'm as thirsty as the next person, so... But this is important to do before we have a, have a drink. I'm going to ask if you have got a need in your life, whether that is work, um, healing, finances, um, family situation, just to lift your hand. I, would, I want to ask the rest of us, just get around these people now. I know that's a bit of moving around, but that's why God gives us working legs. Okay. Find someone that has got their hand up and come and st- go and stand with them. Come on, church. Bit of moving around. There's lots of hands with no one people, no one standing with them. We want to pray in Jesus' name that there be a release of kingdom life, a relief, a release of finance, of work for those that are out of work, a release of healing, a release of faith. I want us to pray that there be a release of what God has got for our lives, a connecting. A connecting with heaven and earth. Kingdom come. It might be the simplest prayer you want to pray over those people that you're standing with. Lord God, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Simplest prayer, but one of the most powerful too. Come on, church, let's just begin to pray for these folks.
Anyone not being prayed with that had their hand up? Just gather around them. Oh, kingdom life, kingdom life. Kingdom life. Lord God, let your kingdom come, your will be done in all these situations. We are seeking you first. We are seeking your kingdom first, above all else, in every area. All these situations for family, we seek your kingdom first. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is already ordained in heaven. Your kingdom come. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't just become man for us to be mediocre. You became man so that we can live kingdom life. Oh, Jesus. Come on, church. Let's press in. Press in for the miracle. Press in for the breakthrough in these situations. Press in for the healing, deliverance, hope restored. Hope restored to families. Hope restored to families. Jesus, your heavenly daddy is for you, not against you. That's why the Bible declares he's for you, not against you. The kingdom is within you, Jesus said. So embrace these things. Father, I just want to pray where there's been a cry and no resolve. Where there's been a life that has been lived in conformity. Lord God, I just thank you that you are the answer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, would you restore what needs restoring? Heal what needs healing. Draw to yourself. Woo family members far from you. We just want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. For the glory of your name. You know, if you get prophetic word, just release that prophetic word. Prophetic words are... A keys to the kingdom I found that they can open doors that have been locked for years. Release words that would encourage and inspire and release a father's heart. Oh Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're still praying, you still pray, but just as we close, we talked about pledging allegiance to the King of Kings through our praise, just as it says in Hebrews. We're going to join together and declare and proclaim that Jesus is King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. That we will be a people that seek his kingdom first above all else. That we reprioritize our life and pledge allegiance to the King. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Just pray that there be a release. A release today as we proclaim our praise to you. And pledge our allegiance to you, King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen.